0: Wisteria Energy Energy. Energy. Twister. Twister Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the collection by Drac von Stoller. This story is called Ashes to Ashes. In the heart of the darkest forest, shrouded in perpetual mist, stood the ruins of Sir Jacob Edward's castle a grim reminder of his malevolence. The castle's chilling aura had a way of creeping into the souls of those who dared approach, leaving them shivering in fear before even crossing the threshold. The legends whispered of restless souls that wandered the castle's corridors, eternally trapped in their torment. The wind howled through the broken windows, a mournful wail that seemed to carry the anguished cries of the prisoners who had met their gruesome fate there. As night fell, an eerie glow emanated from the dungeon, casting flickering shadows of the decaying walls, each shadow a reminder of the bone-snapping horrors that had taken place within. On the anniversary of Sir Jacob's death, a thick fog enveloped the castle grounds, a veil between the living and the dead growing thin, In the castle's dungeon, the air grew cold and heavy, and the shackles that once held the prisoners seemed to rattle and clank of their own accord. Whispers of agony and despair echoed through the chambers, as if the very walls were haunted by the memories of the tortured souls. As the clock struck midnight, the ghostly apparitions of the prisoners materialised, their gaunt faces twisted in eternal pain. Hollow eyes stared into the darkness, seeking vengeance against the tormentor who had taken pleasure in their suffering. They wandered the corridors, their moans mingling with the creaks of the decaying castle, creating a symphony of terror that sent shivers down the spine of anyone who dared listen. In the centre of the dungeon, the ashes of Sir Jacob had been scattered, a cruel mockery of his once formidable presence. But his malevolence lingered, his spirit unable to rest. Forever bound to the dungeon, he had ruled with an iron fist. His phantom footsteps echoed through the stone halls, a sinister reminder that the reign of terror had not truly ended. As the years rolled on, the ruins of Sir Jacob's castle became a macabre attraction for those seeking a thrill beyond the realm of the living. Ghost tours were organised, promising a spine-tingling journey into the heart of darkness where the whispers of the tormentor's soul still echoed. People from far and wide would gather on the castle grounds, their curiosity outweighing their fear as they embarked on these chilling expeditions. The tour guides would lead groups through the echoing halls, their lanterns casting flickering shadows that danced across the walls like phantoms themselves. With each step, the visitors could feel the weight of the history that hung heavily in the air as if the very stones held memories of agony and suffering. However, it wasn't long before the castle's sinister reputation began to manifest in terrifying ways. People who ventured into the castle on these tours would sometimes vanish without a trace, leaving behind only an eerie silence that seemed to swallow their presence whole. Stories began to circulate about ghostly hands pulling visitors into the shadows their screams simply fading into the night. Desperate for answers, a group of renowned ghost hunters arrived at the castle, equipped with advanced technology and determination to uncover the truth behind the tales. They set up cameras, motion sensors, EVP, electronic voice phenomena, recording devices, ready to capture any evidence of the supernatural. Confident in their expertise, they entered the castle bravado. Dismissing the warnings of locals. As the ghost hunters delved deeper into the castle's darkness, their devices began to malfunction inexplicably. Batteries drained at the alarming rate, lights flickered uncontrollably, and static, filled voices whispered, chilling warnings through the EVP recorders. Despite the increasing sense of unease that gnawed at their confidence, the hunters pressed on. Determined to conquer the forces they believed they could control. In the heart of the dungeon, the ghostly apparitions of the tortured prisoners materialised, their eyes burning with a malevolent fire. The hunters' presence had awakened a dormant fury, and the spirits were eager to make their tormentors suffer once more. Shadows enveloped the hunters, their equipment now completely useless, leaving them vulnerable to the spirits with vengeful intentions. As the first hunter felt an icy grip close around his throat, he realised the true depth of his mistake. The other hunters watched in horror as their comrade was lifted from the ground, his face contorted in agony. The remaining members of the group tried to flee, but the castle seemed to twist and shift, leading them further into a labyrinth of passages. One by one, The hunters met their grisly fates, Bones snapped. Limbs contorted at unnatural angles. Their terrified screams swallowed by the wails. From the ghosts. And. The walls had witnessed countless horrors before anyway. The spirits of the prisoners had claimed their revenge. Ensuring that those who sought to exploit their suffering. Would share in their torment. As dawn broke. The castle returned to its eerie silence, the misty forest absorbing the secrets of the night. The ghost toss ceased, replaced by hush whispers, and haunted glances exchanged among the villagers. The castle remained a forbidden place, a cursed reminder of evils that had once resided there. And so, the legend of Sir Jacob Ed- Edward's castle endured a cautionary tale of the price one pays for indulging in darkness. The ruins continued to stand, a haunting relic of bygone era where the lines between life and death, torment and vengeance, were forever blurred. Those who gazed upon the castle couldn't help but wonder if the anguished cries of the past still echoed through the mist. A chilling reminder that some horrors should never be disturbed. The End And that's the end of this story by von Stoller. Interesting. I'm sure there's many stories of many haunted ruins out there. That's just another one. Thank you for listening, and many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel, and to the stories by von Stoller. This next story is called The Inheritance. Countess York was a wealthy but mean spoiled woman, who upon her husband's death inherited not only his wealth, but his cold-heartedness. The Countess's husband was wealthy, was an oil tycoon. He handled all his affairs with an iron fist. The minute her husband died, the Countess had plenty of money to give her husband an expensive funeral. But, being taught by a man with a cold, heart and iron fist, he was lucky to have been put in a pine box. The Countess had ice water pumping through her veins, but not enough to make her bury her husband in a shallow grave on their estate. He was at least put in the family cemetery. After the funeral, Countess York immediately called the attorney's office to get on with the reading of the will. The countess showed up early for the reading, continually knocking on the attorney's door. Are you done yet? And frantically pacing back and forth by the door. Finally, the door opened and the countess burst inside and sat down in front of the attorney's desk and said, Let's get on with it. I haven't got all day. The attorney replied, Since there's no living relatives left, you, well, everything's been left to you. "'Countess York replied. "'Where do I sign?' "'The Countess signed the legal documents and gathered her things. "'Countess York went back to the estate to clear her husband's things out of the closet "'when she spotted a relatively large box. "'The Countess opened the box in amazement at what she had just found. "'It's a crown of jewels. "'This must be worth a fortune,' said the Countess in excitement." It was her wicked grandmother's crown. One thing that slipped the Countess's mind was that the crown was cursed by a gypsy woman who was slain by her father to cover up the affair they were having. Just before he slit his mistress's throat, she put a curse on the crown of jewels that if anyone dares to put on the crown, they will surely die. When the crown is placed on the head, needles from the bottom rim of the crown would pierce the brain and bring on sudden death. The countess had no idea about the affair her husband had with this gypsy woman, or any purpose the crown had to a curse. The countess knew the crown was precious, so she slowly picked the crown out of the box and placed it on her head, and went over to the mirror to admire the beautiful crown. Then all of a sudden, the curse the gypsy put on the crown was happening right before the countess's eyes. Needle after needle started piercing the Countess's brain. She screamed louder and louder. By the time the butler and maid arrived, the Countess was lying on the floor with blood all over her head. And the crown floated back to the box in the closet, right where she found it. There was no trace of blood on the crown anywhere, and all the needle piercings disappeared. When the autopsy was performed on the Countess, there were no needle marks in the skull. Her death was ruled as natural causes. They thought, possible aneurysm. By some coincidence, the Countess had just finished her will in case something happened to her on the same day. That she died, she did it. How strange is that? The butler and the maid were not sure what their future held, since the countess was no more. The countess oppressed the maid and the butler all over thirty plus years they served her. As the maid and the butler were cleaning the countess's room. The maid stumbled upon the box with the cursed crown. The maid said, Look, look, there's a beautiful crown inside this box. I bet the countess hasn't even noticed it was here. The maid reached in the box and pulled out the crown and proceeded to put it on. The butler jerked it out of her hands and said, We don't even know if the countess had a will. Who's to say if we're in it even? You know how badly she treated both of us, Throughout the service to the family, why should anything good come of this? Come to find out, they were both wrong. The butler and the maid were both included in the will. The butler went back to the closet, where the maid acquired the crown and placed it back in the box and said, If there is a will, and we're included, the crown will be yours regardless. The maid and the butler finished cleaning the rest of the mansion, just as they were locking up the phone rang. The butler answered the phone, and sure enough, it was the attorney's office asking for the maid and the butler's presence for the reading of the Countess Yorks will tomorrow at 10am. The butler and maid were jumping for joy, <clears throat> so excited. Lights us open a bottle of bubbly. Celebrate, celebrate tonight. So they drank two bottles of bubbly and passed out from the Countess's bed. The butler and maid woke up the next morning with a hangover, And they sure had to down a couple of pots of coffee and shower off so they could be alert to the reading of the will, which was just a few hours away. The butler and the maid managed to get themselves together for the reading of the will. They climbed into Countess's Rolls-Royce and headed straight for the attorney's office, anticipating all the money and possessions they would acquire. Their 20-minute ride seemed to last forever, and the car wouldn't get there fast enough for both of them. The butler and maid finally reached their destination, put the car in park. Both the maid and butler jumped out of the car and raced upstairs to the attorney's office. The butler knocked on the door, and the secretary answered it. Then escorted the maid and butler to the conference room for the reading of the will. The maid and the butler sat down at the table, waiting for the attorney to arrive. And of course, the attorney was running a little late. Sorry for the delay. "'My car was stuck in heavy traffic,' said the attorney. "'Shall we proceed with the reading?' "'Yes, please do,' said the butler. "'We should be able to wrap this up in thirty minutes. "'You can both go home and relax for the rest of the night,' said the attorney. "'Does anyone have any further questions?' asked the attorney. "'No,' said the impatient maid. "'Then let's begin, shall we?' "'I, Countess, York of sound body and mind, leave my entire estate,' To my dear maid, Claire, and as for Henry the butler, I have nothing but a bus fare to to Chicago I leave. Henry the butler was furious and stormed out of the attorney's office. He took his bags out of the Rolls Royce and walked two blocks to the nearest bus stop, got aboard the bus and headed back to his family's home. Henry couldn't believe all the years he spent with the countess's constant badgering and, not talking back, didn't even go, noticed. There was nothing in the will. Months and months passed by. Henry became an alcoholic, living in the back seat of a stoop baker his parents bought him when he was a teenager. Then, one day, as Henry was fast asleep in his stoop baker, his mother came running out to the car banging on the window. Henry, Henry, get up. You've got a phone call. I believe it's Claire, the, the maid, and she wants to speak to you. Henry sat up, took a big swig of tequila and opened the car door, staggered onto the ground. ''Henry, I wish you would stop drinking and clean yourself up,'' said Henry's mother. ''Oh, stop whining. She probably wants to brag about how wonderful our life is and how it's a shame I'm a drunkard or lives in the back seat of a car.'' Henry could barely keep his footing as he approached the stairs to the house. After a couple of falls, Henry grabbed the receiver and said, ''What do you want from me? Why don't you leave me alone?'' "'Go lie in your pile of money and sip on some champagne,' Claire replied. "'Henry, that's not why I called. "'My reason for calling you was to see if you could come by "'and stay on as my partner. "'I'm willing to give you 50% of everything. "'Now, before you say another word, cling yourself up, "'get on the next flight here, and I'll discuss the details with you.' "'Is this some joke?' Henry said. "'No, it isn't,' replied Claire. "'Now,' "'Will you come on, or am I going to have to go down there and drag you here myself?' Claire said in an angry voice. "'Okay, I'll be there in a couple of hours,' said Henry. "'Henry packed his bags, drove to the airport, bought his flight. "'Henry's plane arrived ahead of schedule, and Claire was waiting patiently at the gate for Henry to arrive. "'Henry arrived at the gate, and Claire was there to drive him to the estate.' "'I'm so glad you decided to come help me run this estate. "'It's just too much for a woman to do all by herself,' Henry replied. "'It's still hard to believe you need someone like me "'that is at rock bottom to take such a burden on.' "'Claire said, "'No one knows this place as well as you do, not even me. "'So let's start over and try to forget how badly we both treated by the Countess. "'Let's just enjoy, enjoying the wealth that was left behind.' Henry and Claire were no longer anyone's maid and butler, and could do whatever they wanted inside and outside the estate. Everything was going well for both of them for a couple more months until Claire decided she wanted to put she wanted to put a dress on and she wanted to wear the crown to show off to Henry. But little did she know this would be her last time to dress up for anyone. Claire got all pretty up for Henry before he got the box out. Henry was sitting by the fire, reading as he always did in the late afternoons, when Claire appeared before him, dancing around and giggling. ''Henry, put that book down. What do you think?'' said Claire. ''I think you look wonderful in that dress you're wearing.'' ''What's in that box?'' asked Henry. ''Something that belongs to the Countess. Now that her possessions belong to us, I can now wear it with my dress.'' ''Let me just put it on.'' And my dress will be complete, said Claire. Claire reached in the box, pulled out the crown and placed the crown on top of her head. Then all of a sudden, Claire was about to feel the gypsy's curse. Claire started screaming at the top of her lungs. Get this thing off of me! She was bleeding profusely from the top of her skull. Henry jumped off the couch and tried his best to pull the crown off her skull. But the gypsy's curse was too strong to break. Claire dropped to the floor and the crown released its grip from Claire's skull. Claire is dead, said Henry. Henry glanced over at the fireplace and could faintly see the ghost of a man laughing. And that's when he knew the crown was cursed. The rumours of the gypsy were true. Henry thought the story was made up by the Countess's husband to make the Countess jealous. Henry picked up the crown and said, Die, gypsy, die. Then Henry threw the crown in the fireplace and watched as the once beautiful golden crown melted before his eyes. As the crown was burning, Henry could see the gypsy's ghastly figure screaming out for help. But Henry just ignored the gypsy's pleas and watched the crown disappear along with the gypsy's curse. Henry was all by himself with nothing to do in the mansion but count his money. Now that Claire was gone, all the inheritance money was his. Henry lived out the rest of his days at the estate, gambling, drinking, fast women, until the well ran dry. Henry was again penniless. During his last night in the mansion, he had terrifying dreams of the gypsy woman she was coming back to finish him off. Henry was at his lowest point in life and too weak to fight the dreams. The voice in his dreams kept on telling him to open the nightstand next to the bed, take out the revolver, pull the gun, put the gun to his head and pull the trigger. Finally, Henry couldn't take any more. So, he pulled out the revolver and blew his brains out. Shortly after Henry pulled the trigger, the mansion caught on fire. All of the horrific memories along went up in flames with him. Did the gypsy seek revenge from the grave? Or is it just a coincidence? We may never know the real truth. So, what do you think, guys? Do you think it was a gypsy's curse? Or do you think it was possible that it may have been a coincidence and he just lost his mind and went mad? Because obviously he was a drunk, he was gambling all the money away. could have been either or either. But you tell me what you think. Thank you for listening to this story, and many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to the collection by Drac von Stoller. This story is called, Dorabella's Revenge from the Grave. The Baron de Graf and his wife Dorabella lived in a beautiful castle in Scotland, They were so in love, and it showed at their lavish parties in the ballroom. The baron was a jealous husband. If any man laid eyes on Dorabella in a way that made him uncomfortable, they would be brought to the dungeon and put on the chopping block, thus losing their head. Not many men dare test the jealous baron, because if they did, Dorabella would be the last woman they would ever see again. Dorabella loved her husband dearly, But with his suspicious eyes, it made things hard on their marriage, which made Dorabella resent her husband even more. The Baron would like to show off Dorabella's beauty at their parties in front of their guests. The Baron's jealousy was about to come to a head because the Baroness had all she could take, which made her take a liking to one of the groundskeepers. While her husband was out hunting, the baroness dorabella and the groundskeeper were upstairs rolling around in the sheets making passionate love the baron's jealous heart made him decide to arrive home earlier than his wife expected thus catching his wife and the groundskeeper in the act seeing his wife in bed with another man pushed him over the edge the baron decided to have them both killed the baron told them both to get out of bed and head straight to the dungeon, where they could die together. The Baron and two of his servants escorted Baroness, Dorabella, and the groundskeeper, unclothed, to the dungeon to be put on the rack. Then had their limbs ripped from their bodies, as their punishment for adulteress acted by a crime committed they did. As Dorabella was being stretched out on the rack, she screamed out and cursed her husband for what he was doing to them both. The Baron said to his wife, Dorabella, you should have thought about the consequences of a jealous husband before you leaped into bed with your lover. Now it's going to cost both of your lives. What I've got in store for you, my lovely Dorabella, that will preserve your beauty, is to pour hot wax all over your body before the burial. What do you think about that, dear Baroness? Dorabella replied, You're an evil man, and I will seek revenge from the grave. You can count on it. The Baron just laughed and said, I don't think you're in any position right now to be saying you'll be coming back from the dead. Once the coffin is lowered into the cold, dark ground, and the dirt is piled high on your grave, nothing, and I mean nothing, is going to bring you back, my dear Dorabella. The Baron and his two servants started pouring hot wax from their buckets as she lay there, helpless and screaming at the top of her lungs. The baron decided to end her suffering, so he kissed her on the forehead and slowly pushed his knife into her chest, piercing her heart, and the screaming stopped. Then the baron and his two servants finished pouring the remaining hot wax, covering her entire body. The baron's two servants wrapped her wax, covered body in a blanket, and carried her to the coffin. The baron said his last goodbyes and closed the casket and his two servants proceeded to pile dirt on top of it until the grave was filled. Baron de Graff's life just wasn't the same because of his love for Dorabella. The Baron would pace back and forth in his bedroom contemplating on digging her up, bringing her back. You know, a wax-covered body could be laid in bed. But if he did that morbid deed, his servants might think he was weird. The Baron said to himself, This is my castle, and if I want to dig up the only woman I ever loved, then I will. Later on, in the night when all the servants were asleep, the Baron got the shovel and went down to Dorabella's grave to dig her up. As the Baron was digging and weeping over a grave, he could have sworn he heard Dorabella's voice. The Baron's shovel finally hit Dorabella's coffin, so he scraped off the last layer of dirt from the top of the coffin and opened her casket. And there she was, all wrapped in blankets. The Baron picked up Dorabella's stiff body, carrying her back to the castle to their bedroom, removed her body from the sheets and placed her on the bed. To keep the servants from discovering his little secret, he would always keep the bedroom door locked, and if he found out anyone entered the room without his permission, they would lose their heads. The Baron would bring food every night to her and talk to her, as though she were still alive. The baron was starting to spend too much time in the room, neglecting his duties as a baron. The baron's servants were not getting paid on time, so they told the baron they were quitting the next day. As months went by, the once beautiful castle with lavish parties was no more. The manor went to ruins. The baron had dreams that Dorabella was going to have a revenge on him. Since Dorabella's body was removed from her cold grave for so long, the wax on her body was slowly melting off. The stench from her body was unbearable, but the Baron just sprayed perfume on her corpse to keep the smell down. Finally, one night, as the Baron lay there sleeping next to Dora in bed, Dorabella was about to get the revenge. She promised her husband. The next morning, when one of the servants came back to the castle to retrieve something, they forgot to take with them... Before they left, the servant called out to the Baron, but got no answer. The servant decided to go upstairs to Baron's room to say goodbye for the last time. When the servant opened the door, he got the shock of his life. There, lying on the bed, was the Baron and his dead wife, Dorabella. What frightened the servant the most was that Dorabella's hands were around the Baron's throat. And when the servant went to get a closer look, the Baron's face was that of a man who was frightened to death. The Baron was dead, all right. The servant said, Dorabella was seeking revenge on the Baron. She finally got what she wished for him to happen. The end. That's an interesting story indeed. Imagine having that happen in your real life. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and many. Blessings Wisteria, Wisteria Energy 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 twister, 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 twister.